0: Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week I will be covering the Los Angeles Lakers. They are in a slump. LeBron James is not happy. Darvin Ham, the head coach, he might be on the way out. The Lakers roster, like I said, has issues. Austin Reeves, you know, this whole notion all summer was, oh, he could be the third wheel. I said, no, no, no. We'll get into that. Kevin Durant, unhappy with the Phoenix Suns. We'll get into that. I'll give my thoughts on the Knicks trading away RJ Barrett. I think it was a good move because RJ Barrett for what he was sold as, for what he was promoted as, eh, not very good. They brought in OG Ananobi, who's not the scoring asset that RJ Barrett is, but he can play some tough defense. He's mentally tougher. He's the type of guy you need when you're building a championship team and I will address who the Knicks need to go after this summer. Reaction to the Giannis versus Wimby matchup earlier this week. And why Michigan will win the college football playoff championship tomorrow night. But I start off the show with the Chargers. The season Ends today. It's over. It's week 18. The Chargers are 5-11. and 11. We take on the Chiefs at home later on today. And I believe everyone, a part of this fan base, that follows this team, is glad it's over. The nightmares come to an end. And quite frankly, ever since that dreadful, or if you want to go the opposite direction and say beautiful moment, when Brandon Staley had his last act in Vegas against the JV Raiders, 63-21, that's when we all checked out. And probably even before that, I probably checked out after that Crap out a game against the Packers on the road in beautiful conditions. But, you know, we should be glad today. Today is a beautiful day. More than likely, the Chiefs backups will beat us, which is what we want. We don't want to win the game. We have no incentive to win the game. No incentive. We need to tank, tank, tank. We have done that ever since the Raiders game. Ever since we've made the change at head coach. I mean, Justin Herbert's out for the rest of the season. You know, he's not going to play today. It's going to be Easton Stick and whoever the Chiefs throw out there at quarterback today. But... What we need to understand is this game. We're in like we're, we're not going to talk about this matchup because it doesn't matter. We need to lose. We need a draft pick. We need the draft. We need a high draft pick because we need a star player, whether it's a wide receiver, one of his offensive tackles, because right now we are slated to have the sixth pick if the draft were to take place today. And who knows? Maybe with some crazy stuff that happens in Week 18. I mean, we're talking about the National Football League and crazy stuff happens all the time. If we lose today, maybe some other teams lose, maybe we end up with the third overall pick. I don't know. I mean, there, there's so many scenarios to take into consideration that, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and try to analyze every single one of them because we would run out of showtime and that's pretty boring. But we need a leader at the head coach position. We need to find that leader. And we know the rumors. We know the rumors of Jim Harbaugh Over the past couple of weeks, when his team, Michigan, was in town for the college football playoff, the Chargers met with Jim Harbaugh's representatives. There's been leaks about they've been in contact with Jim Harbaugh's people since week two of his season, which is crazy to think about, but if that's true, then... There's definitely a mutual interest, or maybe even further from that. But, you know, we need to find that leader. And Jim Horrible, I've gone over this over and over again. When you look at the decisions this franchise makes, we need to understand that... Some part of us needs to be skeptical that this ownership, specifically the Spanos family that controls the franchise, is going to make the right decision. Which would be Jim Harbaugh, because we've seen what he has done as a head coach at the NFL level. I and mean, he came in and turned around the 49ers, who are a storied franchise. They have a, you know, historical, they're football junkies. They have, you know, a strong historical foundation. They have a strong, you know, Hall of Fame presence. They have a culture of, you know, high standards. They bring in top players. They draft well. They are football, football, football. And, you know... Jim Harbaugh took that to another level. We've seen him turn around a lot of different teams. Look at what he's doing this season with Michigan. What he's done over the past couple of seasons. He's turned them around. When they were a dumpster fire. When you look at the Chargers, when you look at you know the long list of head coaches... That have come through here. That have come through the doors. Well, let's look. We got Brandon Staley recently. Three years. Five and eleven. Ten and seven. Nine and eight. Ugh. Not good enough. Then you got Anthony Lynn. He finished off his career with the Chargers at seven and nine they were horrendous before that, you know, stupid five game winning streak to end the season, 5 and 11, 12 and 4, made the playoffs, 9 and 7. Mike McCoy, that that his best seasons were 9 and 7, and then after that he went 4 and 12, 5 and 11 to wrap it up. Then you have the Norv Turner era, which I mean, we all know what that was, and which is Phillip Rivers aired out. He got the crappied out of him over and over again. It was Phillip River and the score points. I mean, we're sort of seeing a repeat of that. A continuation of that with Justin Herbert. It's Justin Herbert. Figure it out. Then you got Marty Schottenheimer in that situation. I mean, he had it going. He had us in the, you know, in a place that was outstanding. He had us in a place that was outstanding. I mean, he had a 14-2 and two season. I don't know, there was some tension between Schottenheimer and the Spanos family, and he was out the door. Then he had the Mike Riley days, and then so on and so on. They've not have, you know, a, a strong force a strong force that can command the team's respect. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago when Staley got fired. The Spanos family made a promise. They said, and I read the whole statement on Twitter, you can go look it up. I read that they, they want to revisit how they run the organization. How they hire the head coaches. How they examine what type of players they draft. What, you know What type of players they bring in during free agency. How do you build a roster? And the starting point is the head coach. The GM. We got to pick a GM. From these organizations that have shown that they have a culture and that they have had sustained success. We're talking about guys from the Ravens. We're talking about guys from the 49ers. We're talking about guys from the Philadelphia Eagles. We're talking about teams that continuously win games and get into the playoffs. Because we have had players historically, over and over again, that are good. But they don't have that fight. They don't have that edge. There's the talents there. The physical tools are there. But they don't have that desire. They don't have that want to. They don't have that mindset, that mentality, that I have repeatedly hammered home every damn week. Throughout this entire long... Dreadful season. Anthony Lynn, there is no mentality. Mike McCoy, there is no mentality. Even with North Turner, I mean, there was the 13 and 3 season, the 2006 run, great, but there, there was no sustained success. Now you can make the argument when we're talking about Jim Harbaugh; he's a difficult guy to be with. He's the attractive guy or woman, whoever you're, whatever you're into. He's that, you know, 10, as they say, a high, you know, very attractive person. But hey, just because you're attractive doesn't mean you're a good person because there's some attractive people that are shitty in person. They have crappy personalities. They're divas. It's all about them because they have it in their head that they are the most attractive person in the building. We have too much of that. Jim Harbaugh is one of those guys. He demands control. He demands attention. He he's hard to be with. But damn, is it worth it? Damn, is it worth it? You may go, it might be short term. It might be a couple months. It might only be a six month venture, a six month fling. But in, 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 in NFL terms, it's going to be a four year fling, maybe even three years. But you're going to reach AFC championships, you're going to reach the Super Bowl. What he did with the 49ers and 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 then think about what he did. He installed Colin Kaepernick into the starting lineup in the middle of the year. In the middle of the freaking season. No one I mean, Alex Smith, who's not the greatest quarterback on planet Earth, Harbaugh obviously knew that. Everyone knew that, but he had him going. They were, what, a 10-win team, 11-win team? He did it late in the year. It was, in, it was close to November when he did it. He pulled the trigger and said, all right, Colin, we're going to go with you because you can take us further than Alex Smith, who you know people famously nicknamed Checkdown Alex. Checkdown Alex, you know, you'll be lucky if he gets it past five yards. He never really did that. Oh, the scream path he will sc- check check you down the death or he will you know screen you the death. They put in Colin Kaepernick and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Had you remember the fam uh, the the horrible Super Bowl Ravens 49ers power goes out Beyonce zapped it out of New Orleans. And then Colin Kaepernick was a horrible missed call away from winning a Super Bowl. Ravens go on to, hit, you know, Ravens hang on because the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, were storming back in that game. I don't remember the exact score, but it, they, were, they were down a couple of touchdowns. And there's, you know, conspiracy theories about the power going out to make it more competitive, but yeah I don't know. The Superdome has its issues. It's gone through a lot. So, I mean, they haven't had it back in New Orleans, if if I'm remembering correctly, in a while since then. Probably a reason why. Anyway, the Chargers need Jim Horrible. They need a guy that can command respect. Not a guy like Brandon Staley, as the reports have come out. He was making friends in the locker room. He was picking players in free agency that he liked. Cut the bullshit. We don't need any of that. We don't need a head coach that is running the team based on friendships. I don't care. We need guys that have some balls and want to coach the team and build a team based on who can give us the best chance to win, not because of some connection you have from your previous stops. Stop it. Now, obviously, coaches will bring in guys on the staff. I mean... Obviously, connections matter too, but I'm you can't build your entire team based off of that. You can't, okay? And then you can't be overly stubborn to where if it's not working, your original plan, you don't just keep repeating it. That was Brandon Staley's. That like that was the sword he lived by, and that's how he died. That's how the Chargers eventually. Drew the line in the sand and said, All right, we're done. We're chopping your head off. See ya. You are out. And when you are trying to change the perception of the franchise, because right now, when you look at the rhetoric on mainstream sports media, Whether it's on television or on the internet, social media, whatever. Pick your platform. They're not taking us very seriously. No one is talking about Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. All the indications from the people in the know and the Chargers circles is that, you know... This has a high probability of happening and it's pretty much a slam dunk unless someone else swoops in and yanks Horrible away from us or if he just goes back to Michigan. Because right now as I speak here today and based on these odds, now I don't gamble, I wouldn't gamble on this at all because... I think betting on head coaching odds is kind of stupid. I think betting in general is kind of dumb. But whatever, if you're in that, we all have our, you know, vices, so to speak, lack of better terms. Uh, Bill Belichick is the leading candidate at three to one. I've already talked about it over and over again. I don't want Belichick. Don't want it. I know what he did with the Patriots. I know the Patriot way, the Bill Belichick way. He's a commanding officer. He's tough. He'll cut you. He'll bench people. I mean, he benched star players. I shouldn't say star players, but star players on his team during Super Bowls. He was cold. He'll cut guys on the eve before the Super Bowl. He did not give a damn. And you know. Not to. You know. Age myself. Or you know. Review. Or. or, or Reveal too much personal information. But as someone who's in the gym. Um, as someone who's in the Gen Z. Demographic. Or age group. I, you know, embrace, you know, toughness and old school. I do respect the old school way of doing things, not all of it, not like the racist uh, aspects of it and, you know, the unnecessary, you know, parts that came with the old ways of doing things. But in terms of the general foundation of toughness and personal, um, you know, responsibility. And, you know, leading with some type of an iron fist and, and, you know, having we need to be strong in our decision making and owning what happens. I think Bill Check does does a good job of that. But if you just look at what he's done with a win lost record and, you know, examine the context of his time with the Patriots, who was his quarterback Oh, Tom Brady. How has Bill Belichick done since Tom Brady exited the building? How has he done? Can someone explain to me how Tom Brady or how Bill Belichick has looked? He hasn't looked very good. Made the playoffs in Tom Brady's last season. Got bounced out by the Titans, I believe. And since that point, since Tom Brady went down to Tampa, won the Super Bowl, 7-9, 10-7, Mac Jones, first year, showed some promise. 8-9, 3-11 this season. Dumpster fire, I mean, we, I saw it up, up, up and close in person. I, I saw what that Patriots team looked like. They were not very good. That team was a freaking mess. That offense was crappy. I came on after that game Monday morning. I and in the instant reaction, I said that was a diarrhea express. That was disgusting to watch. I know it was raining. I know it was you know crappy weather. We didn't look good either. So both teams were in it, but the freaking Patriots looked horrendous. We want to bring that in. We want to bring uh, and I no Tom Tom Brady ran that offense. He was the mastermind. He like he was the coordinator. Everyone wants to talk about Bill O'Brien and his rep. Some for some reason, outside of that, you know, with that Houston Texans disaster and how he just imploded. He set that organization on fire with, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation, shipping off DeAndre Hopkins, just and shipping off DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips for a, a running back who is up in age. David Johnson, just stupid. You want to bring him in along with Belichick, bring in Steven, I imagine, uh, Belichick's son. And then you know Matt Patricia is McDaniel's gonna join in in the fun? No, I don't want any of that in here because they have run the Patriots are garbage. Okay, if I'm the Patriots, if I were running that organization, I would tell Belichick to just eat it and go go away. And no, I don't want him coming in. I don't care how many wins, how many wins away he is from setting the all time winning record. I don't give a shit. Okay. I don't care. People want to sit around here and pretend that we care about that. I don't care about your personal goals. We always, this organization, focus too much on... We're bringing guys that are personally driven. Austin Eckler. What did I... I sounded the alarm bells back in the summertime... Back in the summertime, before the season, when Austin Eckler went on all these talk shows, started during the Super Bowl, started from then, from that point, and then it continued on through the season. It started from then, and it, he was making comments as recently in November about how the team needed to improve, never included himself once. Never included himself once. And he's sitting up here talking about how running backs aren't paid, how he's been under you know, undervalued, underappreciated, disrespected, blah 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 blah. I mean he's talking about and yes, I know I understand what he's done. Austin Eckler has been a great player for this team for six or seven years, whatever it is now. Undrafted player, he deserves a a ton of respect. I respect his, you know, his effort he put in. I mean, he, he posts all of his workout videos, and it uh, he from that. St- if you take away, if he never did what he did, if he didn't set the bridge on fire with me and a lot of the fans, not everyone. It's kind of fifty-fifty, but a lot of people I think are just delusional and love him too much. Austin Eckler. Personal agendas need to go away. J.C. Jackson, personal agenda. He came in, had no relationship with anyone. Doran James, you got to play better. He's not been very good. Khalil Mack, 15, 16 sacks, I don't care. It's not contributing to winning. Justin Herbert needs to play better. The offensive line, everything needs to be better. Coaching needs to be better. A lot of stuff needs to change. There's not just one person that's responsible. Everyone on this team that has come through here has contributed to the downfalls, the shortcomings. I mean, Austin Eckler talks all that smack. 617 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, seriously, dude. You're going to talk all that BS about how you need to be paid. Bullshit. No, you don't. It is what it is. I said it. I'm not trying to disrespect. I, I, I'm i pro-capitalism. Not I mean, I don't like all of it, but name me a better way of living. Austin Eckler, based on what the market says, you should not be the highest paid running back in the league. The highest paid running back in the league is a rookie. Because running backs, unlike any other position, maybe a linebacker, you get the crap out of you immediately. You only the lifespan of a running back. What is it? I think it dropped. It was like one and a half years. You're not you, you, running backs. What I'm not. It's a fact. Are just recyclable. You can change them out. They're interchangeable. Teams pick up running backs all the time. During COVID, during the twenty twenty season, we had a million running because Austin Eckler got banged up, him in COVID, in and out, not his fault. Injuries are not I'm not blaming injuries on players, but we had running backs in and out, in and out of here, left and right, all over the place. Every team does it. Every team does it. Very rarely anymore do you see teams go plunge on uh, a Emmett Smith, Adrian Pearson. You know, these running backs that we've Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, these running backs that that you've seen. And then, like the last one of that elk, Derrick Henry. And look at Derrick Henry. It's not been a long time, but Derrick Henry is not the same player. He just isn't. And that's not his fault. It comes with the territory. Some position some ways of life negatively impact your health it is what it is that's why they have precautions if you're working in public service and you have to deal with chemicals and human waste and whatever not to get too graphic but that's why there's vaccine requirements because it comes with the territory playing running back in the national football league You get beat up. Your career is going to be shorter. That's why, in most cases, they pay the freight up front. Because if you have a decent offensive line, you can change out running backs. That's why I said all summer, the Austin Eckler argument, the Jonathan Taylor argument, all these running backs bitching about how much they were not making, with a bunch of BS. Now I sort of more I, I I showed more sympathy to guys like you know Saquon Barkley who literally carries the Giants offense. But even then, I'd be skeptical of paying a running back. the The point to say all that is that we can't be personally driven. We need to have a GM that has a backbone, and we need a head coach that has a backbone. And the best guy to do that is Jim Harbaugh. I mean, all these other guys. I brought up O'Check. I mean, I understand he has a backbone. Probably has too much of one. But he's out of date. The Patriot way is stale. It is. Okay? And that's okay to say. Not everyone maintained their fastball. O'Check doesn't have it. He just doesn't. That's what happens. Like, we can't just change the way we look at the evolution of sports just because we, you know, respect or bow down the one guy as the greatest head coach of all time, which some people consider Bill Belichick. Which, I'm not opposed to at all. I am not opposed to that, but we need to add context to it. He also had Tom Brady, who most consider the greatest quarterback of all time. That matters, right? And then also his record about Tom Brady is below 500. Am I wrong to bring it up? Am I incorrect? I mean, what else we have on here? I mean, we we have guys like Eric B. Enemy, who's up there, which, you know, I've said it over and over again. I don't want a first time head coach. Like the problem with the first time head coach route, which we have done the last three times, it was Staley recently. We saw how that turned out, clown circus over his skis. Three years of oh, nine and eight, ten and seven. Oh, okay, not bad. And dumpster fire crabs out. Anthony Lynn, same thing. Made the playoffs one year and declined year after year. Then you had Mike McCoy, who was a mess. The first time head coach experiment is its not worth it. It's too much of a gamble. Could it work? Sure. Is it awesome And when it does? Yes. It is. It's freaking amazing when it does work. When it works... You're cooking with oil because you have a head coach on the cheap. It's not ideal to overpay the head coach. But when you have struck out over and over again on these first-time head coaches, and the Chargers have done that over and over again the last few times, you cannot screw this up. You can't. When you're paying a quarterback 200 and over 260 million dollars you need to get everything out of that investment you just have to bringing in Eric B enemy and rolling the dice and taking a chance on a guy who I understand from my understanding he's you know a good offensive coordinator the chiefs you know People have brought up maybe they're missing him a lot. I don't know. Eh, Not sure about that. Skeptical of that. I'm just not. I'm just not buying it. Because you're at the end of the day, whether it's fair or not, I know people don't want to hear it. What you're selling me a product. I don't want to be sold a product. We've been sold a product because when you buy a product that you're not sure about, that you're not sure could, may or may not work out, you're taking taking a chance. You're taking a strong gamble. And we can't afford to take gambles because I'm looking at this list of coaching candidates. Ben Johnson, I know he's a good coordinator. He's People love him. You're taking a chance. Frank Smith, coordinator with the Dolphins. Is Tyree Kill coming with him? I love Mike McDaniel. I wish he was our head coach because he turned Tua into a superstar or makes him look like a good quarterback or competent, better than what he is. Is Tyree Kill coming with him? With Frank Smith? Is Frank Smith even calling the freaking plays? How much, like, that's the problem here. You're taking a chance. Each team is built different. Our team doesn't have a fast. Oh, we have a fast guy, Darius Davis. Don't use him. Could he be a Tyreek Hill type of player? I think he could. Made the Pro Bowl, or he's an alternative, or whatever. Well, oh, quick here. Congrats to Cleo Mack and Keenan Allen. But the only two bright spots on the team, but individual performances. Frank hiring a first-time head coach. It's too risky. Like, it, it just is, and it hasn't hasn't worked. Like, Kellen Moore, heck no. I've not been impressed. I've not been impressed. I thought maybe it was going to work, because he did wonders with the Cowboys. He turned Prescott into a quarterback that he never thought he could ever be. Like, I mean, even right now, Prescott, he, we all know what he is. It's There's a hard ceiling for Dak Prescott, and Callum Moore did a good job. Now, I do believe that Callum Moore had a lot on his plate. He had the Mike Williams injury, but my issue was he never adjusted. Now, I've floated out the theory that maybe hmm, Staley is a control freak, We've seen it over and over again that he likes his system and if the system, the scheme, is not implemented and is not utilized in his vision, he's not going to be happy because that's what he wants. He's the genius. Well, eh, didn't work out. Kellen Moore didn't work out. He, you know, I believe he was restricted. I believe Staley tells Kellen Moore what he can do, what he can't and cannot do. I think I believe Staley wants the offense to look a certain way. That's the way defensive-minded coaches work. We need an offensive-driven, we need a coach, maybe maybe not necessarily offensive-driven, but we need a coach that allows the coordinators to do their job. No restrictions. When we look at the successful teams that have had success, continued, sustained success long-term, they have no boundaries. There's no restrictions, whether it's from a scheme standpoint, whether it's from a front office standpoint, a head coach standpoint. Making trades that make sense. The 49ers. They have a scheme that works. But they're aggressive. They're not ultra conservative. But they're not ultra progressive. They make smart decisions. They're not flying off the handle and saying, yeah, we're going to do that. I don't know if it's going to work, but we're going to do it. Let's bring in J.C. Jackson. I don't even know if he wants to be with the Chargers. But... I have no idea. Must don't do any research on him because, of course, the headlines—they're coming out that the Patriots deactivated him. What a month after he got back in the town. The Patriots—it's telling. And listen, I was excited when I got the notification that JC was coming to town because I was like, "Yes, we got a lockdown corner. We got a guy that can shut down, you know, a side of the field, and then you know, blow up on her face." We need guys as a head coach that understands what to do and how to do it. How to run a franchise properly and not to overstep. I know Dan Quinn has been out there too. Not interested. I talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Dan Quinn's record as a head coach. I know he made the Super Bowl. I get it with the Falcons. Congrats. Matt Ryan. One league MVP. Who was the coordinator on that team? Does someone want to tell me that? Who was the offensive coordinator on the Atlanta Falcons on that Super Bowl run that resulted in a loss? Remember twenty-eight to three. Twenty eight to three, the collapse. Kyle Shanahan, who is the um, head coach with the 49ers. Oh, look at that. No, I'm good on Dan Quinn. and his defenses, everyone talks about how good of a D coordinator that he is. The Cowboys are freaking loaded. Is Micah Parsons coming with Dan Quinn? Is he? he, Now, if, if that's the case, if Micah Parsons is coming along with him and Trayvon Diggs... And these guys, the Cowboys, have on their front seven, which is good. Now, I don't watch a lot of Cowboys. I mean, I watch them when I have nothing else to do, whatever's on TV. And they're usually on TV. And our face, we have no other choice. Or if I'm on Sunday Ticket, who whatever. Dan Quinn is not that good. His defenses were what? 17th, 15th. 25th that's not good that's almost brandon staley level like dan quinn no disrespect probably a nice guy but to me he's an older version of staley and but you know he's the gym teacher version he's hat backwards have fun with the guys the frat boy version no i'm good i don't want that jim harbaugh is the clear cut guy that we need that fits what this team needs to do and the Spanos family needs to finish the deal because over and over again they have stabbed us in the back I don't want Bill Belichick I don't want Frank Smith I don't want Kellen Moore I don't want Ben Johnson I don't want Brian Flores I don't want Eric Biennemi now with now, if Harbaugh wants to have the enemy as a coordinator, sure. Head coach, no. Belichick, if he wants to be the D coordinator, sure. He makes a lot of defenses look really good. He makes players like regardless of how shitty the offensive is with the Patriots, their defense with Belichick is always good. The secondary is always good. Doesn't matter. He makes those players better than what they are. That's the sign of a really good coach. I am not denying that with his defense. But his offenses, since Tom Brady has left, departed, and back with his Cleveland days, have been horrendous. And that is not a made-up take. That is a bona fide fact. It is on video. His offenses suck. And he can't draft. We already have drafting issues. We can't draft outside of the first round. The Tom, Go look through the Tom Telesco years. Go look at all of his drafts. And there's bust all over the place. Sure, you can look at... Oh, well, they got Herbert. Cool. Anyone with a brain would have drafted Herbert. The Dolphins, Brian Flores, their former head coach, wanted Herbert, but their owner said, "No, we're going with Tua." Hmm, how's that going out? How's that going? Is it working out? Yeah, Herbert's better, regardless of what you want to say. Football is way different than basketball. Stars in basketball have a much greater impact in football. You literally need all 11 guys to do their damn job. That's what you need. So you can throw at me all these names that are not horrible. You can keep peppering me with all these different scenarios but they've the Spanos family needs to get this correct. They don't have a choice because you are in Los Angeles. You are in a market that expects winning. You have the Lakers in town. You have the Clippers, who are good now Of Kawhi and PG13, and then you know James Harden. You have all this other, you know, sports, all these other teams. Look, at I me! Mean, look at the freaking Rams down the hallway. Now, I don't like the, to compare us to the Rams because they're in the NFC. You know, there's that artificial rivalry that, you know, the NFL was trying to promote, the battle for LA. Yeah, okay. Little cheesy. Let's don't force it. But, you know, they are, to the credit, they, you know, went the F them picks route, had a bad year last year, but they recover this season and they are right in the playoff mix because they have stability in a culture. And it could have gone sideways, but it didn't. Props to them. They knew what they were doing. Everyone was on the same page. Go all in for the Super Bowl. Go after Stafford. Make that trade. Bring in all these different players. Odo Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller, late in the year. Let's go for the fences. Bam. Super Bowl. Damn the torpedoes. Damn the consequences, F them picks, we're going to get it done. And they did it, knowing that they were going to be in hell for a season, and they were last season, they weren't very good. Well, they like had a 4-5 win team, and they brought in freaking Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they had to bring in a quarterback, because they didn't have one last year, staffer got hurt. So we need a coach. See, like good teams rebound and don't blow up. We can, we, we've had, every time we bring in Mike McCoy, every time we bring in an Anthony Lynn or Brandon Staley, first-time head coach type of head coach, it always blows up in our face. That can't be the end result. The end result needs to be continued success. Don't put in a puppet GM. Bring in a GM that does and understands the job. That understands how to build a franchise. We don't need John and Alex and everyone else running the team. Collect your money and shut the ma- shut your mouth. Just shut up. We don't need you involved. Keep your nose out of it. And let the football people do their job. Because can, over and over again, they have exercise. They don't let the football people do their job. And then you bring in some clown like Brandon Staley, who doesn't really know what they're doing. Because I still don't know to this day if Brandon Staley even understands how to coach an NFL defense. Still, I'm still not convinced. I'm still not. Does he really? Does he actually get it? I don't believe he does. I don't. Nothing over the three years. It just got worse and worse and worse. The only thing I believe he knew was Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. The one year he was a D coordinator, that's who he had. Outside of that, what else has he done? He was in, a, you know, a position coach in other places, but he ne- he wasn't proven. That's the issue. That's the risk. I know everyone talks about these first time at coaches. It's a risk. It could work out. It can be great, but it could blow up in your face. Jim Harbaugh is the type of player that you need. Because he's not going to put up with overpaying for friends. I mean, look at Sebastian Joseph Day, a friend of Brandon Saley. He got paid three years, $24 million. We let him go. He's not that player. He's not a number one player. We were expecting Sebastian Joseph Day, who I thought was pretty good, but he's not a number one. And this new GM, this new regime that comes in the town, comes into the building, needs to make some difficult decisions. Uh, And I understand the fan base, like I brought up earlier earlier on, they're in love with key players. Half of the fan base is split on Austin Eckler. I, I am done with him. I've been done with him before the season. Like, If you're a true winning player, if you care about the future of the team, you don't say any of the crap that came out of his mouth from February last year to November. You don't say any of it. All of it, all the different examples, you can go look it up. You don't say any of it. If you actually give a shit about winning... You don't say any of it. None of what he said was productive. None of it. So to begin with, who do we look at? Well, we need to look at the guys on this team that make the most money. Doran James, Keenan Allen, Clay Mack, Joey Boza. We need to make decisions. Do we bring you back? Do we bring back Derwin James? And I know he's a fan favorite. He's my one of my favorite players. Like, I love his aggressiveness. We don't see it very much uh, anymore in football. Hard hitting because of concussions. I mean, I get it. I'm not saying I'm not promoting the idea of blowing someone's head off because, you know, and there, because there are long term ramifications for that, and you know, we can't just ignore it. But it is refreshing to see a guy that is willing to play a game that is aggressive. But this season, and over the past couple of seasons, Has Duran James lived up to the billing of being a top five, um, a top five safety has he, can we, if we're going to be honest here and that's what we try to be, has he lived up to making nine blasting up to 19, 23 and $24 million over the next three seasons Think about that. That's a lot of freaking money for a guy that's been injured, banged up throughout his entire career. Not his fault, but it is what it is. The quality of your body dictates how much you're going to make. Your your athletic ability, your ability to make plays on the field will dictate how much you make. And He's a good player, but in pass coverage, he was average at best. He was not very good. He was horrendous well everyone was bad in the Dolphins game but he was extra bad he was bad in key moments against the Titans Vikings Raiders the first game against the Raiders Aiden O'Connell BAM he ate him up ate the whole defense up he had 236 yards he was confident Cowboys game I mean throughout the whole season during James he was he had some big hits he looked good against the tomato cans of the league, like the Bears, the Jets' offense. But outside of those games, he wasn't very good. Even the game against the Vikings when we won, because of Herbert being Superman, 405 yards, the defense was never good. Like, And then when we look at the way Duran James is getting paid and how he's played... And my concerns and how he was caught lacking a lot. Do we want to bring him back? What's his leadership like? Why is the defense looking out of sorts? It shouldn't look out of sorts. It shouldn't be that bad. Are we kidding me? That's pathetic. I like this defense the whole year was horrendous. Now is it all my is it all Doran James's fault? No. And he's also out there with a lot of guys that shouldn't be out there. But dude, you are expected. You are a you are looked upon as a leader on this team. And your price tag is 19 million, essentially 20 million, 23 million, and then 25 million. No, I don't know. Now, the issue is if Dorian James. Compared to some of these other guys on the team that we'll get to in a second, the top dollar players, the big names, no one's going to really trade for him. Like, who's going to take on that Durant James contract after I just read you the numbers on what he's going to be making? Would you want to take that on? Would you want to take on that contract? That money? that cap hit because it's going to be a major cap hit because we are number I believe we're in the top two for cap like I believe we're either number one or number two our cap situation is hell so we, that's why we got to make some decisions and I hate to say it and I love Dora and James i said it over and over again but if I were to make an honest decision if I were to make a responsible decision I wouldn't bring him back. I would shop him around and see if someone will take him. We can't cut him. Cutting him would not address the issue, the elephant in the building. But that's part of running the franchise. We can't just keep players around because, oh, we love them. Now, I'm not saying we go out and let, now don't do what a lot of teams have done or what some organizations do, which is a straight-up cut a franchise player. You have to get something in return. Let's try to get something in return for Derwin James. Let's see what's out there. Keenan Allen, I know he's having a great season. Records, personal records. It's awesome. He has been the passing game this season. But when we look at Keenan Allen and what he's going to be making, made $12 million this season, he's going to make $34 million next year. Close to $35 million. Then he'll be a free agent do we bring him back and majority of the franchise from what i've heard and i get it i'm i'm probably on the fence or, or or on the side of the fence of bringing him back because of just how good he is but he's an up there in age receiver what we're in year 11 i believe 10 11. Heading into his 12th, that's a up there in age receiver, $34 million. Do we want to pay him that? Because now I know receivers are much different than running backs. They don't hit the wall as hard. Doesn't happen, but it does happen. They hit the wall at some point. Do we want to invest, continue to invest $34 million? So, what do we expect? If we draft a receiver in the first round with our third, fourth, fifth, or sixth pick, if we draft a receiver, whether it's Malik Neighbors or if we get lucky and get Marvin Harrison Jr., what's the expectation for Keenan Allen? If we keep Keenan Allen, what's the expectation going to be? Because he's been injured too. That's the issue. He's been healthy this season, but he gets banged up. It happens. He was banged up last year. He played the first game against the Raiders and pulled his hamstring and he was out in and out the whole year. He didn't play much. Is the expectation going to be this? What we're seeing this season from him and the numbers he's putting up? Can we expect that from a up-and-age receiver from, in Keenan Allen? I mean, the guy has 1,243 yards. He is the passing game. Seven touchdowns. Are we expecting that? If we're going to be real, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. And the same applies when we look at Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, I know he's had a great record, almost a record-breaking season. And what he has done, it's been remarkable. I was not expecting him to get 16 sacks. A guy that looks his age, was he, like 32 now, whatever. He's an up-there-an-age player because prior to this, out-of-nowhere season that he's having, because anyone that that bet money on Khalil Mack having this season, 16 sacks, I would have said you're stupid and that you're an idiot and that you should be banned from betting ever again because you're going to blow your damn money. Heck no, I would have imagined this was going to happen with Khalil Mack. Are you freaking kidding me? I was on here over and over again before the season and during the season. And I said it even after that six sack game or whatever it was, eight sacks, four sacks against the Raiders, the record, I said, uh, can you do it every damn week? Can you at least show up every week? Because there's weeks where I'm like, uh, "Is he playing in the game?" Because that's the way he was last year, and I don't know. He's he's been up in age. He's been banged up, but I you've you've heard me bring up the other numbers. $34 Thirty-four million, thirty-three million for this player, twenty-five for you know Dorian James. This season, Khalil Mack is making $16 million, just over. Next season, he's going to make $38.5 million. Then he'll be a free agent. Is that a good financial investment for next year? Should we keep him around? Will Khalil Mack have 16 sacks? Will Mack have even eight sacks next year? Like, can we count on that? There's no way in hell we can count on that. No way. Anyone that is going to sit here for straight face and say, bring him back. I would bring him back on a much cheaper deal. If he's willing to take a pay cut at 38 and a half million down to 10 million because I'm not even paying him 16 heck no would anyone trade for him? maybe we get some sucker would but who maybe some dumpy team would but like maybe but like no 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 serious team and no disrespect to Clay Mack he's been playing his ass off same to and Allen same to all of these guys I'm not trying to disrespect them but we cannot be continuing the process of just handing out contracts, overpaying guys for what they have done. We can't be paying Khalil Mack, who's up there in his 30s, $38 million. $38.5 million? No way. That's absurd. No serious franchise is doing that. Okay. So let's get that out of our head. We can't be doing this. We can't be continuing the trend of handing out thirty-eight million dollars to Khalil Mack and then Joey Boza, who is the other guy on defense that I'm that I've never been a fan of. I like Khalil Mack. But Joey Boza, no, no way. I've never liked him. The talent's there. The physical tools are there. He's showing flashes, but that's the issue. Six, uh, $15 million this season. 36 next year. 32 next year in 2025. 2026 free agent. No way. No, I, I am not doing two more years of Joey Boza. Now, in my opinion, I believe he's going to be the hardest to get rid of. Because Duran James, I, I believe some sucker would take him. I believe some team would take Keenan Allen if we did shop him, which eh, I would keep him probably. Cleo Mack, I believe some team would take him. But Joey Boza, based on his play on the field and the way he, I believe he acts off the field and on the field, no. I don't believe he's a team player. I don't believe he cares about playing football. I don't believe he cares about playing football For this franchise, I I believe he could give two cents about playing football for the Chargers. I don't think he cares. I believe the two cents that he does care is two cents too many for him. I'm not a fan. I believe he has a shitty demeanor. I believe he's a crappy teammate. I'm good. I've seen enough like I like th- there's nothing that he can do that can change my mind like Joey Boza adios. see ya I have nothing good good to say he's not a cornerstone player he's the wrong Boza Nick Boza, I'll take him. I see a motor in him. I see a fight. Joey Boza was brought in to be a player that changed the culture of the defense, and it's gotten worse. The only effort I've seen him take is when he's eating a box of ice cream up in the box, watching the game, not on the field. And when he's on the field, more times than not, eh, where is he at? I I get it. He has these flash moments. But it happens once every third game. And we act like and we try to trick ourselves that, yeah, he's still good. Joey Both is still good. No, we need to make cold-hearted decisions. We need to quit tricking ourselves into believing he's valuable and that he brings any... Positive energy to this team. That stupid penalty in that playoff game, unacceptable. A guy that actually gives a damn about the team doesn't pull that BS. So I don't want to hear Joey Boza being considered a winning player because he's not. The new coach coming in, the new GM, whoever it is, Hopefully, the head coach is Jim Harbaugh, and let's look at some of these teams that have had long-term success. That's where we need to look. If you want to be serious, that's what you got to do. And all these good teams, all these top teams, they invest money in players, but they don't do it with they don't just hand it out like candy. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. And you got to draft smart too. Got to have a smart scouting department. Leave the ego at the door. The Spanos family, leave your ego. Let the football people do their job. If you bring in Jim Harbaugh, if you're able to close the deal with him, you have to let him do his job. Whoever you bring in, you have to let him do it. You have to. It is what it is. So, I understand we all have our favorite players. Doran James, Keenan Allen, Clay Mack, the big names. Mike Williams is probably going to be gone too. Injury prone. I understand he's had a couple of handful of good years, but you can't invest that type of money. When you're paying top dollar for something, whether it's in normal life or in sports, you need to have results and big time results. And we have not had big time results. And these guys that we've invested top dollar in, it just—it's just the facts. It's just the facts, and that—that that, that is something that is a huge concern. Because when you're paying guys, a whole bunch of guys, five guys, over $30 million plus, oof, that's tough. And that's why we are in a cap situation. That's not very good. That's in a horrible spot. So tough decisions will need to be made. And how you go around that, how you navigate that is drafting. The good teams draft. The franchises that win games, championships, compete for championships every year, they know how to draft. We need to draft better. Okay? Point blank draft. Quality r- roster, culture, real coaching, strong locker room presence, a strong, smart GM. Ownership stay out of the way. That's what you got to do. And until that happens, we will continue to have the same issues. We will continue to have short shortfalls and shortcomings again and again and again. We will continue to have our heart broken again when we have these expectations. Because when you have a quarterback and a team with the market you're in, with Justin Herbert, on and on and on, you are expected to win championships to compete in the AFC and not go 5-11. and 11. You're just not. That's not good enough. And we can't tolerate bad production. Just can't. And over and over again, we just sit on our hands and we try to convince ourselves that it will get better. No, it won't. If you keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again, nothing is going to get fixed. So let's cut the BS and stop trying to trick yourselves into believing... That, eh, we can keep all these same guys and run it back. No, you can't. Some of these guys, Boza, Allen, James, Williams, mac Some of these guys, or maybe, who knows, majority of them will need to be gone. You just can't be handing out money like it's candy at the candy store, like it's Halloween. You can't just be doing that. You can't. This is not a hand-me-out, which, you know hand out you know, money and overpay guys for what they used to do. When you're getting paid for something, it's not all about what you've done in the past. It's about what you're going to do. What are you going to do for this team? I don't care what all these guys have done in the past. What are you going to do for the Los Angeles Chargers? What are you going to do to win for this team in the season you're playing in? That's what it's all about. And too often than not, it's not all about that. So that needs to be fixed. It just needs to be. And we'll see. And I believe Jim Harbaugh is the guy to get it turned around. Alrighty. Enough with the Chargers. The season ends later on today cannot wait for it to end until we can move on and start a new chapter with jim harbaugh which it looks like that's going to be the answer that the conclusion but we, we will see the nfl is the soap opera that never ends the chargers are the soap opera the the drama that never stops all right, so let's switch gears to the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers have been in a whew, downward trend going 2-8 and eight in the last 10 games. Four-game losing streak, 17-19 and 19 on the season. They would currently be out of the playoffs. If it started today, they would be out of the playoffs. The Golden State Warriors, who I've talked about them over and over again, they would be in the playoffs over the Los Angeles Lakers with AD and LeBron. And now we have stories coming out that LeBron's not happy. That got floated out earlier this week. He's not happy with the roster. Darvin Ham, the head coach, his job has been brought into the spotlight. Will he be able to maintain that job? Because we know how professional sports and sports in general, when there's expectations, if you don't get it done, if you don't even when you win the champ we see guys win the championships all over the place, win Super Bowls out in two years, win the NBA finals. Frank Vogel, he was out a year later. Tyron Lue, out a year and a half later. It's tough. It's cutthroat. Darvin Ham, if we're just looking at it from a head coaching perspective, let's we'll, we'll get to that before we get to anything else. I don't believe he should lose his job. I don't believe he should. Because... The Lakers roster, and I said it all summer long when we went through that playoff run to the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets when they were close, that I, I know it was a sweep. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't like the term a close sweep, but it was. If you go look at that box score, and when you watch those games, it was close. What was the Lakers' Biggest reason for being in those games, Darvin Ham, the way he managed the lineup, the way he managed Anthony Davis, the way he managed LeBron, the way he managed D'Angelo Russell, bringing in new players because they brought, they got rid of Westbrook, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, they had to make adjustments, and Darvin Ham made those adjustments they went to the Western Conference Finals. They demolished the Grizzlies because everyone was hyping up the Grizzlies. Despite John Morant's, you know, actions off the court that were not good, flashing the gun twice on social media, the immaturity... The Grizzlies were the favorites to win that series, and the Lakers kicked their ass in that last game. They beat them by 40-plus. Made them look stupid. They shut him up. They shut the Grizzlies down. Darvin Ham, everyone loved him then. Everyone loved him against the Grizzlies. Everyone loved him when they demolished, beat the two small Golden State Warriors they dominated them. No one said a word about the close sweep against the Nuggets. No one said a word. No one said a word about the NBA Cup when they blew out. Look at these numbers. Against the Pacers. NBA Cup. The Pacers, we just saw them earlier this week. Beat the Bucs again. They've beaten the Bucs, what, four times this season? It's insane. They have the Bucks number. They were on fire. Tyrese Halliburton and that team, they're a scoring machine. They score they well, they score 150 points a couple nights ago. They can light up any team in the league. The Lakers beat him down 123, the 109, and the NBA Cup Championship. I know it's the NBA Cup, but the they, they beat him down 34 29 the first quarter. They held the the Pacers to 109 points. You deserve credit. You deserve credit for holding Halliburton the 20 points, two for eight from three. Buddy healed with two for nine. Miles Turner one for five, 10 points minus 17. Man, Bruce Brown had four points, two for nine from the field. They shut him down. This is a good Pacers team. They can score on any team in the league. The Lakers showed their muscle. They showed what they can do. They showed what they can be. Is that on Darvin Ham? No, that's on the guys on the floor. That's on guys and their effort. Because LeBron James, and listen, we've, we've criticized LeBron before. We've criticized Anthony Davis. They're playing a top 10 top, top levels. They are doing a heck of a job. LeBron's 39 years old. He just turned 39 last week. What else do you want him to do? I mean, you can criticize LeBron for whatever you want, whether it's on the basketball court, whatever. But he's 39. And he's averaging... Get this, 25 points a game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 52% from the field. That's 28th in the league. That shouldn't happen. Vince Carter played into his 40s. He didn't do this. He wasn't even close. He was just a dude in the locker room. He just sat on the bench, played a little bit, but this is ridiculous. In his last couple of games... LeBron against the Pelicans in a loss 129 to 108. 12 of 24. 34 points. 42% from three point range. That is ridiculous. That's insane. What did Anthony Davis? He had 20 points. He, he did good. It wasn't perfect, but he showed up. Everyone else, Prince at 15, but then Hachimura. Nope, not good enough. Vanderbilt, no four points. What? Reed's said 20, but he's been off and on. And I said it about him over and over again. This expectation, this weird obsession of Austin Reeves being a third wheel Chris Bosh. Like, that's how people were talking about him. They were talking about him like he was going to be Chris Bosh. No way. That was the biggest load of BS I've ever heard. Like that that tell me that you don't know NBA basketball without telling me you don't understand basketball on the NBA level. If you were saying that if you thought Austin Reeds could be a third wheel, no. He's been sent back to coming off the bench. Now he's playing better. So this I think people were Overhyping where this—it's ro- not a bad roster. I have I have the Lakers as one of my favorite teams to win the West. But as we collect information, as the up uh, as the information becomes updated, the Lakers roster is simply not good enough. Anthony Davis and LeBron cannot do it. Do what they're doing, and. LeBron can't keep scoring 30 points a game. He's an older player. He can maybe do that at maximum twice a week. More than it's going to be probably more in the range of once a week. That's probably the best bet. I've criticized AD over and over again. You need to play better. Anthony Davis to his credit, and if we're going to criticize Hand out criticism. We have to be able to hand out the positives. He's played well. At Pelicans, 20 points. He was efficient. Against the Timberwolves on the road. 39 minutes, 12 of 17. Made his shots. He was efficient. 17 rebounds. Two blocks. 33 points. 26 points against the Hornets in a win. 40 points on Christmas Day and a loss against the Celtics. He showed up. He's been showing up. 31 against the Timberwolves again. I mean, 32. There's a 37 game against the Mavericks earlier on in December. So we've seen Anthony Davis answer the call. We know what LeBron's going to do. We know that. But what are the rest of the guys on this team going to do against the Miami Heat earlier this week? The Miami Heat without Jimmy Butler punked them. The Miami Heat without Jimmy Butler punked the Lakers. That is inexcusable. Simply, when you are a team like the Lakers... That I've expect that like they are good enough to win the NBA championship. They had that type of talent. If the Denver Nuggets didn't exist, now you got the Clippers coming up from the back. They've taken the lead. There's a lot of teams that are better than them. The Suns are still there. We'll talk about them in a minute and their issues. The Lakers need to be careful because the Western Conference, and yet the Kings, these young teams, the Thunder, Timberwolves, they're currently the one seed. Clippers at the four, Kings, Mavericks, they're still hanging on. And the go-to move here, I have said it over and over again. I've said it ever since free agency. That if the Lakers want to win the championship, if they want to guarantee that at worst it's going to be a coin flip with the Nuggets to win the Western Conference Finals, they need to trade for Kyrie Irving. Call up the Mavericks. Who do you want? Because I believe, and I get it, Kyrie Irving's banged up right now. He's out, he's been in and out of the lineup. But and I get it with Kyrie Irving. He's a controversial player. I know what he's done. I know what he did with the Celtics, blowing up that situation, and he imploded it on the way out. Vibes in Brooklyn. The vaccine stuff. The other cross over the line stuff that he's done. That you know that he's uh, released to the masses. Don't tolerate any of it. Don't I don't accept any of it. But if we're talking about from the basketball court perspective, from an NBA basketball court perspective, he's damn good. He's maybe not a player you want to build around. But when he was with LeBron James, he was – those two were remarkable. Now I'm a huge Miami Heat fan. I'm a huge fan of the Miami Heat. If I, were to, I mean, I love all them. It's a little different than the – NFL football is more tribal. But NBA, I have my favorite players. I got my favorite team. But when LeBron and D Wade were together, they were remarkable. But when LeBron and Kyrie, when they were, it was short-lived. But when they were together, oh my gosh, they were remarkable. I know that 3-1 comeback had a lot of help at Draymond Green. Calling LeBron the B word, kicking him in the groin. After the NBA told him to stop. Because that was the taste of the town for Draymond Green. He was kicking people in the groin. That was his go-to move. One of his many UFC moves that he loves to employ. But when we're looking at the Lakers, they need another score. And I believe the Mavericks could end up with the whole Mark Cuban situation. Is he staying around the Mavericks? Is he selling the team? What's he doing? Is there a scandal coming down the road? I don't know. Because he's giving out bonuses. Is there a bombshell story coming out? Or is there something else? Because he's... I don't know. It's weird. You can go look into it yourself. But... Luca, I brought it up in the opinions all day special last week. He might be demanding a trade this summer. And I said if I'm Luca, I'm looking around the NBA landscape and that the way that roster is made up, I've talked about it before. They're not in the position to win a championship. They're all points and no defense. That roster's not good enough. What's their third best player? Grant Williams on a random Tuesday? Not good enough. Kyrie, A D and LeBron would put the Denver Nuggets on alert. It would that would be a seven game series. You're not telling me that a team with A D LeBron and Kyrie, if he can stay out of the out of the way, if he can stay off social media. They can just zip it and play basketball, they w- would definitely win the NBA championship. Without a doubt. No one else is going to convince me otherwise. You're just not going to. Because that's how good they are. That's how good those two were together. Kyrie and LeBron... We're amazing. They are, like, they were a top five duo in the league. Like, if the Lakers want to maximize every moment they have with LeBron, you've got to plunge and do it. You just got to. I know it's tough. I know some people are going to have an issue with it. But LeBron's not going to be around forever, he's not patient. When he's not happy, when he is not satisfied with a situation, he will move on. And eventually he's going to retire, even if he stays with the Lakers. There's going to be the day when the bill is going to be due. So when you know that's going to happen regardless, you're probably better off going all in and winning. And trading for Kyrie and somehow keeping AD, which I, I'll I'll admit it. That was We'll see. Maybe you do include him in a trade, but AD has been better. And the Mavericks might just be in desperation mode and like, ah, whatever. Take on, take on what you want. Luca, if you want to leave. Oh, well, maybe they're in that mood. But as of right now, the Mavericks are the sixth seed, but they've been five and five in the last 10. Luca looks around the league. hmm, Not happy. The Knicks are attractive. The Miami Heat. They've been rumored. You know, the Lakers, you got to take advantage of opportunities. And firing the head coach is not the answer. Like, firing Darvin Ham, what does that solve? Firing Frank Vogel, what did that solve? And I know it's the you know the easiest move to make, fire the head of the snake, but Darvin Hams not the issue. The issue is the team put all of their eggs in that Austin Reed was going to be Chris Bosh. He's not going to be. He's not Chris Bosh. Never will be. D'Angelo Russell's not a winning player. Bringing in Zach Levine, really, that's probably what they're going to do, and I don't agree with it. Zach Levine, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but if he was that good, that attractive as an asset, one of his teams, like the Celtics, would have pulled the trigger. I mean, good grief, the Celtics pulled the trigger and got Drew Holiday. If, if 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 he was that good, Zach Levine, if he contributed to winning, he would be on a team. He wouldn't be stranded in Chicago with the Bulls, who are in NBA purgatory of being stuck in the middle of the draft. Because they never fully commit to tanking. They never have and probably never will. So the Lakers, I'll, I've said it over and over again. I'll, I'll say it until the trade deadline passes. And it's coming up. It's not too far down the tracks, but they've got to make a move. Because before you blink, the season's going to be over. So, All right, let's change lanes here and let's go to more NBA. The Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant, there is a story that got leaked, is reportedly unhappy with the Phoenix Suns as he expressed frustrations behind the scenes with the way the roster is made up, the supporting cast, and listen, I am a huge Kevin Durant fan. A huge Kevin Durant fan. On my all-time t- all starting five, which is LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Kawhi, Tim Duncan, and Stephen Curry, if it wasn't for the team I constructed, KD would be in it. But I needed a guy to play defense. Kawhi is that guy. That's why I have him in over KD. Katie. But KD's one of my favorite players. On the old show, I never... Ripped KD for going to the Warriors. I supported it. Heck, if you have a chance for a better situation to advance your career, to capitalize off your skills, you've got to take it. Working at mob and pop shops long-term, hey, stable, fun, it's safe. But if you want to make advancements in your career, you got to take a risk. Katie took a risk, took crap for it. The media viciously attacked him, inappropriately attacked him, to the point where he got driven out of town. And, you know, he was a great fit on the team. He elevated the Warriors, won back to back championships in 2017, 2018, after that major collapse the year before in that 3-1 meltdown at the hands of Kyrie and LeBron. Vibes in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant teams up with Ka- um, with Kyrie. James Harden a few weeks later joins in the mix after he Booz his way out of Houston. It was good for a while. Injuries. Katie, a toenail on the line against the Bucks Would have won the game. The, the Nets could have made the NBA Finals in 2021. And that crappy 2021 season. Quick turnaround. 60-day turnaround from the end of the Finals in the bubble. It was like weird season in twenty in in that twenty twenty one season. The Bucks wouldn't it obviously. So I and then you know, they had this stuff with Kyrie Irving, the vaccine stuff, part time player, you know, not showing up to work, sabbaticals, other stuff, other nonsense. I didn't necessarily blame KD for vibes in Brooklyn because that was not a very stable situation. Like, no one looks at the Nets and says, yeah, you know, they're stable. They're a stable franchise. Like, a stable franchise doesn't hand the keys over to Kyrie. Now, having them a part of a team like a, you know, like a LeBron AD. Like with the Lakers, is a different situation. Or like with the Cavaliers, with LeBron, or whatever. But having him in charge as the ringleader, with the Celtics, with the Nets, mm, probably not a good idea, based on his track record away from LeBron. And also you have the heck coaching situation, Steve Nash. I don't know, vibes in Brooklyn was weird, woulda, coulda, shoulda been, everyone's gone, now they remain in average mode with Mikhail Bridges. But when you look at Kevin Durant, he demands a trade to Phoenix, ends up there after the all-star break. And, you know, everyone went crazy and said, oh, they're going to win an NBA championship. They're going to win the championship. They're going to do this. They're going to compete in the West. You know how it works. For those of you that understand how professional sports work, chemistry matters. You don't just form a team together and it just clicks from the start. You have to build up. You have to learn each other. You have to go through a process. Every team goes through a process. And it's not just instant oatmeal, which a lot of these fan bases and franchises that are ultra-aggressive with no backup plan do it. They go both feet in, and when it doesn't work, they're left scratching their head. It didn't work because you try to shove shove it all together and it blew up in your face. The pieces have to fit. Kevin Durant wanted a trade to the Suns. He wanted that trade. He wanted it. He wanted to be with Devin Booker. He wanted Bradley Beal. He signed off on that. I'm not going to blame, place blame for what happened last year because KD got hurt. There was not a lot of time. They couldn't even build any type of chemistry. They barely got past the Clippers in the first round. It was Devin Booker and KD. and They won two games against the Nuggets, but it wasn't really that close. Like the roster, I agree with KD. It's not great. That's Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. That's where all the points come from. Then you got Eric Gordon comes off the bench, sometimes starts. He'll give you 20 on a good night. Grayson Allen, he scored 31 the other night against the Miami Heat. Are you going to rely on that? Can you rely on that? No, you can't. Nurkic, I know he's a name that some people say oh well he's not bad but when you watch him play it's like holy crap he's eh, not good average at best he's not waking you up and make getting you excited then after that it really falls down drew eubanks josh akogi not good enough jordan goodwin nasir little Sabian Lee. I mean, this is not a good supporting cast. Kevin Durant's not wrong. He's not. He's just not. This and, and the and the stats, the evidence, when you watch this team play, it's backed up. They're not good. They're not great. It's not ideal. But as I hold any other athlete to this standard. When you demand a trade or in for agency, when you pick the damn team, when you make all these requests, when you are willing to blow up another team situation that is paying you money, giving you a check... You get what you want. You wanted to go to the Phoenix Suns. You're on the Phoenix Suns, right, Kevin Durant? And I know what he's done. He's an all-time great player. Four-time scoring champion. We know all that. Two-time NBA champion. But you signed up for the Phoenix Suns situation. You knew what this new ownership was going to do. They were all about winning. They were going to splash higher. Got Frank Vogel. They got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, shipped off Chris Paul, added in Bradley Beal. You agree to this team's makeup. When you're paying Bradley Beal, when you're paying yourself, when you're paying Devin Booker, it's going to be tough. You're going to be top-heavy, and they are top-heavy. Against the Clippers a few nights ago in a loss... I know there was no Kevin Durant. But Devin Booker scored 35 points. Bradley Beal scored 21. And the next highest guy was Eric Gordon at 16. And then it just drops off. The next highest is five. I mean, seriously? Is that going to work? Like, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, the strategy cannot be to be picture-perfect and expect the win. They tried it last year on the fly against the Nuggets. They got away with it against the Clippers with no Paul George and no Kawhi, with just a Russell Westbrook show. They scooted on past. The Nuggets exposed them. They have no defense, and if Kevin Durant and Booker are not perfect, they don't win. Like the concept of, hey, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, KD, go score 40 apiece and win a game. That's not realistic. You can't win a seven-game series like that. You just can't. I know KD is banged up right now, but you cannot rely on it. And and listen, I love Kevin Durant. We know the big names on this team, but, again, defense, you got to have Some semblance of defense. The famous Pat Riley saying, no defense, no rings. They don't have any defense. Like they're having to outscore teams like the Hornets, 133-119. They lost to the Trailblazers, 109-104. Kings, 120-105. Mavericks, 128-114 on Christmas Day. Had to outshoot the Rockets. Barely beat the Magic, who are offensive limited. They've come back down the earth. KD at 31 points. They beat the Magic by five. Clippers dropped 131 on them. Smoked Miami Heat on Friday night, but Grayson Allen had 31. Will Grayson Allen get you 31 in a playoff game? No, he won't. Odds are he won't do that. So, KD's correct. This is not an ideal roster. Not an ideal supporting cast. But guess what? That comes with the territory. When you demand a trade to a specific team, that's what happens. So, it's not rocket science. I don't want to hear the complaints from anyone. When you get what you want, like I say it all the time with Paul George and Kawhi, you got what you wanted. Make it work. Kevin Durant, you got what you wanted a few times. Make it work. I'm not questioning your legacy, but others will do it. Fair or not, people will judge you that way. And they've been doing it his whole career. So Kevin Durant, your best bet is to find a way for the Phoenix Suns to have success. That's your best bet. Because if you have another season where you flam out in the second round, like they need to make the Western Conference Finals. At minimum. They should make the Finals with, with how much they've put into this. But... Oof, it's tough because if this doesn't work with Katie Bradley Beal and Booker, this will look bad on Kevin Durant. It's just the reality of the situation. Because vibes in Brooklyn didn't work out, wasn't all his fault, but what happened happened. No one can look past all of that because Kevin Durant did play a role. He agreed to go there and it didn't work out and it's not working out so far with the Suns. and Kevin Durant. If he demands another trade, he will look very, very bad. And I hate to say it, but it is, it comes with the territory. We criticize LeBron. We criticize all these other stars. Joel Embiid, Giannis, Kawhi, and Paul George. We, everyone, it's not, no one's safe. Just because he's my fav- one of my favorite players does not make him avoid any criticism. So I don't want to hear the complaints because you got exactly what you wished for. You ended up in the situation you wanted. So Damian Lillard has a different perspective. He didn't agree to go to the box. He didn't want to well, he agreed to go there, but he didn't want to go there. His original destination was the Miami heat. So if they fail, they will get a pass. Or he will get a pass to a certain extent because well, I'm not saying uh, I'm gonna agree with it, but an, an argument could be made that eh, I didn't demand to go there. So, but Katie did, and that criticism that comes with the territory. So, alrighty. So switching gears to the Knicks, they traded away R.J. Barrett. And Emmanuel quickly, along with a 2024 second round pick to the Raptors last week for OG Ananobi, who the casual NBA fan probably doesn't know. You probably don't now. You probably do know who RJ Barrett is. And I'm going to say it right here, right now. This is a good trade. This is a better trade than the potential trade that we heard about with Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks, where they could be in the market for him. And I was prepared to say, and I've said it before, I'm not a big Donovan Mitchell fan as much. I was a bigger fan back in the days when he was with the Jazz because I thought Rudy Gobert was holding that team back. But as I have observed, what they have done, the Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell and that roster with Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Mobley, all those guys, eh, not been impressed. They could be better. I see the scoring from Donovan Mitchell, but I don't see the winning mentality. OG Ananobi, not as talented. He's not going to blow your socks off of scoring. Like, he's not a scoring machine. He's not even, he's 15 points a game. 13 points a game. 12 points is average. RJ Barrett's an 18-point-a-game scorer. But he's not mentally tough enough. When you get into these moments, playoff basketball, which is where the Knicks are, That's the story about the Knicks. They got 47 wins last year, made it to the second round against the Miami Heat. They got beat. Jalen Brunson's a heck of a player. What a great move to get him from the Mavericks. The Mavericks could be using him right now. Could be. But when you look at this move, this move sets up an even bigger move. Because R.J. Barrett, let's go, I know what he does. I mean, he's had a good season this year. He's scoring. His value was at an all-time high. I mean, he had game three, he scoring 21, 25, 18. Not bad. But, when you're in the playoffs, which is where, as I said, the Knicks are focused, they need to get mentally stronger. Randall, and Barrett in that series against the Miami Heat. Game six on the road against the Magic Carpet Ride Miami Heat. The Knicks were the more talented team. Like, if we're just going to look at the Miami Heat from last year and before what we really knew what they were going to be before they reached the finals it was Butler, Bam, and Gabe Vincent, I'm like, who? The average fan was like, who the hell is that guy? Gabe Vincent. Uh, huh? Randall, Brunson, and Barrett. Just overall, I'm not saying they're all-stars. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Randall and Barrett, obviously. But talent-wise, they're just more talented. They should have won that series. They should have beaten the Miami Heat, who the Miami Heat barely got past. The freaking Hawks. They lost to the Hawks in the first game and barely got past the Bulls in the second playing game. The Knicks were the more talented team. And they lost. Game 6, a chance to get it back to the Madison Square Garden where it's hard to win. Uh, Barrett, 1 for 10, 0 for 3 from three-point range. Three turnovers, minus 5, 11 points. Not good enough. OG Ananobi, he'll give you an honest work. He's not going to score 25 points in most situations, but he will play defense and he will be a guy that's not going to choke. He's not going to crumble. He's mentally tough. He's way more mentally tougher than RJ Barrett. He just is. He's been a bit disappointing, but as I referenced earlier, What does this move for the Knicks set up? What does it set up? It sets up for Joel Embiid. I know the James Harden situation has been resolved and they are playing well. Tyrese Max, he's been a better player. He's developed better than what I or faster than what I expected. Because I was skeptical. I'm like, eh. We're kinda of putting her eggs in that basket. Eh, bit of a risk. But man, Joel Embiid, if they don't reach the Eastern Conference Finals, and they are fully capable of doing so, if the Bucks can't figure out their defense, I don't trust the Celtics. The Miami Heat, we'll see, can they repeat it again? Can they get on that magic harbor ride again? They've been playing better. They're still in the mix. Can't can out. You cannot count out Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and with that rookie, Jamie ja- Jacques, what he's doing. The 76ers are definitely in the mix. So if they fail with the connections Joel Embiid has with the Knicks, close with Jalen Brunson... His agents close to the organization. It could very well happen. Jalen Brunson, Joel Embiid, it resembles Jokic and Jamal Murray. Like, Jalen Brunson could be that type of player. He is that type of player. Embiid and Brunson, the Knicks, and whoever else they can get. That is the move to make. The wrong move would have been going in for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's not a winning player. He's not Joel Embiid. He's not one of these guys that's going to change your life. That's why I said back during the summer, there was rumors about they should trade for Paul George. No, I love Paul George. I don't have an issue with him, but he's not changing the Knicks' life. The Knicks want their life to change. They want to get back in the glory days when they were reaching the NBA finals. They were the Knicks, not the laughingstock of the league, not the ha, almost had that free agent because every free agent in the league, and, I, and I've criticized it too, every free agent in NBA history has been tied to the Knicks and they have struck out over and over again. Started with LeBron oh, maybe Kobe might go there. Nah, never went there. They got Melo in a trade, but nah, Melo wanted to go there, and then the whole team got sent off to the Nuggets. That didn't work out. Disappointing. And they had a couple blimps of Mike Woodson. Nah. Then the Phil Jackson era was a disaster. Derek Fisher. They've been a mess. KD was rumored to go there with Kyrie. Went to the Nets instead vibes in Brooklyn and hasn't worked out completely. This is an opportunity and when you add a move like OG Ananobi, when you add a player at his caliber that's mentally tough, can play defense, doesn't F around RJ Barrett, he's just not mentally tough in playoff games and big games When I watched them play I'm like, okay, let's see what you can do. Eh, disappointed. Brunson, I see that dog in him. I don't see that dog in Julius Randle, and I never saw it in R.J. Barrett. Maybe he'll do better with the Raptors, but the Raptors are going nowhere, and they're kind of just mailing it in as they should. So good move by the by the Knicks. You don't want to go all in on Donovan Mitchell. You don't want to overreact. Joel Embiid is very well in the mix. Maybe if the, if the the situation with the Bucks, I don't believe this is going to happen, but just off the top, top of my head, if that situation implodes and they get whacked on the first round by the Miami Heat or whoever else, Dame could be on the way out. Who knows? I don't believe that's gonna happen. I believe they still should be in the championship mix. I believe the finals the NBA finals will be Bucks versus Nuggets with the Bucks winning the ring. But you never know. We've seen stranger things happen in the in the National Basketball Association. Because very, very fluid situations vibes in Brooklyn we thought it was going to last forever we all thought eh no the Phoenix Sun situation we thought it was going to last forever that's eh teetering Harden and Embiid we thought it was going to last some did I didn't oh nope Blew up in their face. So the Knicks made a smart move. They, they didn't overreact. They didn't repeat what they did in the past, which was overreact for Kamala Anthony and overreact for Amari Stoudemire. Name all the other bad moves they've made. They didn't do it. Sometimes the best move is to not pull the trigger on the ob- on the average choice. And that move to get Carmelo, Amari Stardemeyer, overpaid for all those guys was not a great decision. Not a great long term move. So, great job of the Knicks. You got a tough player, you got a player that can win, and that's what it's all about. You got a winning player. R.J. Barrett, no disrespect. They're not a winning player. So, all right. So switching gears to more NBA. Man, oh, man. The Spurs, one Binyama, rookie season. There was a great game, Bucks versus Spurs earlier this week that I tuned in to watch. And let me, let me say something about this. Before I get into Wunbin Yama and the Spurs, Giannis, and I said it uh, before on the special and earlier on throughout the season. Giannis is a legitimate MVP candidate. Embiid, Jokic, they're in that mix. You can all outsiders are SGA and Anthony Edwards. But right now, if I had to give the award this morning, it would be to Giannis. Like that other night, nineteen of nineteen of twenty-eight, two for three from three point range, forty-four points, eleven rebounds, seven assists. Unbelievable. He is on a rampage that is remarkable. And the Bucks need Every bit of it. I've said it before. Their defense is horrendous. The Spurs are not a great team. By any stretch. They are 5-29 and 29 for a reason. 2-15 and 15 at home. They gave up 31 points to the freaking Spurs. They got to figure that out. I'm still holding on. I'm not going to write off the Bucks in early January. But they need to figure out the defense. Giannis is playing very well. Middleton's starting to get his legs underneath him a little bit. Dame, he's being Dame, but the, off, but, but the defense has got to be—it's got to be better. You cannot have this taking place. Bad defense heading into the postseason. Late on in the year, February, March, April, into the playoffs, you can't have that. So they got to figure that out, the Bucks. Now to the Spurs, who I mentioned are right in there with the Pistons as one of the worst teams in the league. I was talking about earlier before the season started with all the Wimbanyama hype. Where could the Spurs be? I said maybe if they made a move, like get an actual point guard. Because right now their current plan of Trey Jones and all of these guys, you're like, what in the world? What are they doing? I mean, they have Oseman at point guard. I got Kelton Johnson playing point guard a little bit. It's not good enough. The Spurs team is not good enough. Like one Binyama, I think a veteran player like Chris Paul, veteran point guard or Dennis Schroeder, someone like that would have been good. He needs a guy to give him the basketball. Because right now, when you watch this team play, and I get it, they're not v- talented, there's no system. There's no system they're just rolling the ball out there and playing YMCA church league basketball. You that's why you're not winning. Like Greg Popovich, I know what he has done. He's in the Bill Belichick territory. I know what he did with Tim Duncan and that dynasty he built starting with David Robinson. I get all of that. He's one of the all-time great NBA coaches but it's getting stale. The message has gotten stale because let me let me read you the past couple of years for the Spurs. And as I mentioned, they've been one of the all-time great franchises in league history. Like when you think of the top franchises, obviously it's Lakers, Celtics, Of course, the New York teams, the Miami Heat, the Spurs are one of those teams. The Spurs are one of those teams that you think of as, yeah, cornerstone franchise. They are a cornerstone franchise. Greg Popovich, Hall of Fame head coach. Did you know that he hasn't made the playoffs since 2018? When he got beat in the first round? Since that 2018 playoff berth, they've gone 32 and 39, 33 and 39, 34 and 48, 22 and 60 last year, and then 5 and 29. A Greg Popovich team has been horrendous. Any other coach that would have gone. 32 and 39, 33 and 39, 34 and 48, 22 and 60, then 5 and 29, they'd be fired. And did you also know this season? The Spurs went from November 5th to December 13th. They didn't win a single game, they went over a month without winning a damn game. This was a team with binyama that was like, mmm, maybe they could sneak in the playing tournament. No way. This is a horrible team. Horrible. I think Winbinyama has definitely shown that he I believe he can play in this league. Now I thought the talks of him being one of the greatest prospects ever in sports history with a bunch of BS. Like, are you kidding me? Like that whole game was being played. I mean, he's a solid player, right? I believe he'll be good, but not now. He needs to gain some weight. He needs to get in the weight room. I mean, he's seven foot four, two hundred and ten pounds. He can dominate. He, I believe, he shoot. He's shooting too many threes. He shoots around eight a game, and he goes either two for eight or three for eight. Cut it out of the game. We don't need you jacking it up that much he's averaging 19 a game 10 rebounds three assists 44 45 percent from the field not bad but he needs a point guard and he needs a system and i believe he needs a new coach i believe greg popovich has gotten too old mark jackson um, mark jackson's out there sitting around you can give him a call Doc Rivers, he's broadcasting games, commentating. He needs to be on a sideline. He needs a voice, a guiding voice. And I'm not saying Greg Popovich is a bad coach. He's a damn good coach. He used to be. Not anymore. So can we stop this BS that he needs to stay in control? Wembanyama needs to be unleashed. The met, we can all talk about the matchup earlier in the week. Wembanyama, Giannis. Okay, it was great. Wembanyama had 27 points. He was 10 for 18, but he's not on his level. He's not in a position to win games, to have an impact on games. Same for Scoot Henderson. The Blazers. I thought Scoot Henderson, he's been playing better recently. I thought that's, that's why I thought he would have a better season. And so far, both of them have not been great. And that's fine. But the rookie of the year has been Jamie Jacquez with the Miami Heat. He's looked like the number one overall pick almost. But Wimaniama, I believe, there needs to be a coaching change. with the Spurs. Pull the trigger and tell Popovich to go home or kick him upstairs or somewhere? I don't know. They're in that New England Patriot territory of what the hell do we do? Do we keep the coach, a long term coach in here, or do we move on? If you want to maximize Wimbanyama's window and maximize his potential, you have to get a new voice in the building. Because if you continue, if you jeopardize and ruin his career, limit his success window, that's not good. He won't be a member of the Spurs very much longer, if that's the case. So if you're the Spurs and you want to have another version of the dynasty... Change up the head coach. Fix the roster. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Because it wouldn't be the talent there. I believe he could be an all-star. I don't know. He's not going to be LeBron. He's not going to be the greatest player ever in league history. That nonsense is unfair. It's disgusting. I don't believe in doing that. The guy's totally unfair. But I believe he could be very good. So, But it starts with the type of team you build. And right now, I named it off earlier, Trey Jones' point guard, Keldon Johnson, not good enough. Not good enough. They need a Chris Paul veteran point guard to come in there and teach them, along with the head coach, how to win. Popovich, I believe, his tough military-like perspective scheme of how to win, it's outdated. It's stale. It's like Belichick. It used to be good, but not anymore. I mean, I know I've heard people, some folks, some subsections of sports media go hammer down on Wimby. I don't think it's all its fault. Because when you watch the game... That team, it's not very good. It's like the Pistons. Like, I'm not sure what you think of Katie Cunningham. Do I think he's a star player like Wimby? Like, with his potential? No. But I don't, I don't believe it's all his fault. And it's clearly not. Now, in five years, if they're still having the same issues, then yes, maybe we need to look at maybe he's not a star player and maybe he won't be like this idea that he's just going to surpass the top players of all time before he even played a damn game was it's like, what are we doing? I mean, it's not surprising, but it's like, come on folks. All right. So that is it for the NBA. Now switching gears here to our last topic of the day. The college football championship is tomorrow night between Michigan and Washington, one versus two. And heading into the playoff, I picked Alabama and Washington to reach the finals. And the biggest reason why I was skeptical of what Michigan could do with the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, Morrow, wasn't a big fan of either one of them. And I still left that game. Michigan was a better team. They were better in every other position across the board. They were tougher. They were the tough, bigger team, in the trenches. I was—I mean, listen, I'm—you all know what I think of Jim Harbaugh. I'm a huge fan. I wanted him to be the coach of the Chargers, but on a college football field, I was like, "Eh, what can he do?" You have Nick Saban a whole month with a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy that I'm not really a big fan of. And also, their schedule was easy. Their toughest game was against Ohio State. They blew out teams like Maryland, Indiana. They were playing all these bad Michigan State. It's like these joker teams that are dumpster fires. And they just out, they were more physical than Alabama. They were just a better team. And, and Alabama, they outplayed them in the, in the third and fourth quarter. But when J.J. McCarthy needed to make a play, he, he didn't need to make any home run plays, and he didn't. He just needed to manage the game, and that's what he's good at. Run the football, which is what they did. Blake Corm is really, really good. Great offensive line, solid defense. They were a fundamental football team, and that's why they won that game last week. Washington, different story. I love Pennix. I don't know what his NFL career is going to look like, but damn, that guy, if he's on the field, they have a chance to win the game. They have a chance. Michigan's way talented in them. Texas was more talented than Washington. A lot of teams. I'm not a college ball nut, but I can tell you for a fact, a lot of teams are more talented than Washington. Oregon, who they lost to Washington twice, you can make the case, outside of quarterback, they were more talented than Washington. Pinnock's led them to those wins. He... Stuck his foot in there and got it done. He outplayed Ewers, who's a not a bad quarterback. Penix is remarkable. 29 of 38, 430 yards, and made the plays to win the game for Washington. But when I look at this game, and the reason why I was going to pick whoever played Washington... I was going to pick Alabama if they made it. Michigan's a physical team. Washington has a better quarterback. Like, if you were to put Penix on Michigan, Michigan would be unbelievable. They would have swept the field in the playoff. But I believe Michigan has better players, tougher in the trenches. Penix is a good quarterback. Better than J.J. McCarthy. And I still left that Alabama game still skeptical of McCarthy. But we all know how it goes. The better team in college football or in sports in general, more times than not, they win the game. The better team always wins. And I believe tomorrow night, Michigan will prove to the college football world they are the best team in college football. I believe Pennix will play a good game. I believe it's going to be entertaining. I believe it's going to be thirty-one to twenty-five. Michigan makes more plays and outlasts Washington. Jim Harbaugh rides off into the sunset from Michigan with the championship, and then becomes. The Chargers head coach. Storybook ending, right? Just like how we all thought. Alrighty. That is it for college football. Swinging it back here before we wrap up the show. Chargers, Chiefs, season ends today. We have a chance to have a maybe even a higher draft pick. Three through six. We're currently six right now. Based on the latest update, we talked about a lot. Jim Harbaugh's answer, the Spanos family needs to deliver. They just need to. Don't crush our souls again. Hire the right guy. Hire the right GM. And we need to make some decisions about some of these top players. Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack, Joey Boza, Doran James, Mike Williams, Decisions. Will need to be made, and not everyone is going to be happy. In order to get to places, you have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to be. And right now, the Chargers and the Spanos family specifically needs to be uncomfortable because they've been comfortable for too long, and it's gotten them nowhere. It's gotten us nowhere. First-time head coaches are not an option. We need a real coach. We need a veteran presence. Not Bill Belichick. I don't want that. The answer is Jim Harbaugh. That is the answer. And I believe it's going to happen. I still strongly believe, based on what we've heard, based on the stories, he will be the Chargers head coach, and I believe he'll win the championship tomorrow night. Alrighty, that is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.